0: morning, everyone. We want to welcome you to this service, and thank you for taking the time to join us here at Unity Baptist Church, and uh, we want to wish a happy Easter to everyone that's watching, and uh, this is definitely uh, different than any Easter I can ever remember. I was thinking this morning, <coughs> I'm 37 years old, and as far as I know, I've spent every Easter of my life in church, uh, and not just in church, but with the church and with God's people, and this morning, it's it's different, but... Uh, at the same time, we're going to celebrate the Lord and his resurrection today, and, uh, and I thank the Lord for it. And if you want hope this morning and you need hope, you don't have to go anywhere else but to an empty tomb outside of Jerusalem and know that Christ lives, and because he lives, there's hope for you, there's hope for us, and I thank the Lord for it. We're going to pray, and ask the Lord to bless the service, and, um, and then uh, the ladies are going to sing a song or two, and we'll bring you the message the Lord's later heart. Before we do next Sunday, um, next Sunday morning, we're going to have a, a drive-in service um, here at the church, and we'd like to invite everybody that would like to come. Of course, our members, we want you to be here, um, but maybe you've been watching these videos and you'd like to come and 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 be here. We're not going to get out of our cars. Uh, everybody's going to stay in their vehicles. The building's going to be locked, and we're going to try our best to abide by the um, uh, regulations that the. Uh, health people have said about staying uh, distant from one another Uh, but we are going to meet and uh, one thing that's troubled me uh, during these few weeks is I've seen a lot of people downplay or make light of the significance of coming to church and going to church I've seen comments like uh, well it's just you don't have to go there you don't you know you can have church at home but I want to tell you that 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 may sound good may feel good but that's not scriptural and uh, it's not biblical. And, and, and for the most part, the ones uh, that have been saying those things that I know are the ones they don't go to church anyway. And that's probably uh, why they're saying that. But we're going to meet on Sunday morning at, 10, at 11 o'clock, Sunday night at 6 o'clock, Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, beginning next Sunday. And if you want to know, the church's address is 5152 State Route 384 uh, in Mayfield. Our phone number is 270-623-8890. And so we want to welcome everybody to come be a part of that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you, Lord, for this day and what it means. And, Lord, I thank you that even though the circumstances are unusual and, Lord, uh, the times that we're living in are different, I thank you, Lord, that there's one thing that's not changed, and that's the fact that your precious son is alive and he's alive forevermore. And I pray this morning in this service that Jesus would be magnified and exalted And I pray, Lord, that as we sing and as we preach, I pray, Lord, that those that are watching, that there might be one that's out there that's lost and they've never been saved. And I pray, Father, that you would deal with their heart, Lord, through this service. And I pray, God, you give them the courage, Lord, and the faith they need to bow their knees and to call on the Lord Jesus Christ to be their Savior. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pray for the ladies they are going to sing. Thank you ladies and this morning we're going to look in a couple of places in the Word of God and give to you what the Lord's put upon our heart and um, And ask that you listen and, uh, and try to remove as many distractions as possible and listen to what the Lord has to say. We're going to read um, in a couple of places and then we're going to end up in one particular portion of Scripture uh, where we're going to be preaching from but if you have your Bibles you can turn to the book of Revelations chapter number 1. And we're going to be reading one verse from Revelations chapter number 1 and verse number 18. Revelations chapter number 1, verse number 18. And the Bible says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And that's a good place to say amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Hebrews chapter number 7, Hebrews chapter number 7, and verse number 25, Hebrews chapter 7, and verse number 25, it says, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He ever liveth to make intercession for them. And then, in the book of Job, chapter number 19. Job chapter number 19, and this is the text we're going to preach from today. Job chapter 19, and verse number 25. Job says, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, Yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. And this morning, uh, I'm going to preach from the book of Job, chapter number 19, and verse number 25, where Job said, My Redeemer liveth, my Redeemer liveth. The highest ground that Job ever stood on is Job chapter 19 and verse 25. Most people agree that the book of Job is the oldest book in the word of God. in chronologically speaking, when Job wrote these words, there was no Genesis account of creation. When Job wrote these words, he had not read the Psalms and the messianic prophecies that David penned down in Psalms 22 and He had not read Isaiah 53 where Isaiah painted such a clear picture of Calvary and the cross and the the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. But yet Job said, I know my Redeemer liveth. My Redeemer liveth. And this morning I want to preach on that thought, my Redeemer liveth. I know my Redeemer liveth. The The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest event in human history. The resurrection of Christ is the capstone of all Christian doctrine. Every doctrine we hold, every teaching we believe, it hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We could not say enough about the significance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this morning, I'm thankful that 2,000 years later, Uh, Job looked ahead and he saw the resurrection of Christ. And now we can look back and we can see the resurrection of Christ. And we can say with Job that we know our Redeemer liveth. I'm thankful today that far beyond the sky and the clouds, uh, far beyond this tears where uh, you and I dwell today, uh, beyond the chaos and the confusion uh, and the oppression that's going on in the world today, I'm thankful that way beyond the starry sky, uh, the Lord Jesus lives today. He says in Revelation, we read it, he says, I was alive and I was dead, but he says, now I'm alive forevermore. Uh, the resurrection. Can you imagine a world without the resurrection? Could you imagine the world uh, without the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Uh, you know, we've learned something in the last few weeks. Uh, There's a lot of things we can live without. Uh, We we can live uh, without going to the restaurant and sitting down. Uh, We can live without having to be around uh, uh, hundreds of people all the time. We, We can live... Uh, without going to the ball tournaments on Saturday. And uh, and uh, we've learned that uh, we can live without baseball or basketball or football. We've learned that we can live uh, without a lot of things. And uh, uh, we, we've learned that there's a lot of things that we thought were necessary uh, that aren't quite as necessary as we once thought. But there's one thing we cannot live without, and that's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Job said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. Uh, this morning, imagine the world without a resurrection. If you were to go to the delivery room uh, where a baby's just been born, uh, think about that. That baby's been born into a world without hope. If there is no resurrection, uh, leave the delivery room and go to the emergency room and somebody's just been brought in who's been in a horrific uh, car accident. Uh, Their life is in the balance. Uh, The doctors are working frantically. And listen if there's no resurrection uh, the doctors might as well uh, just let that man die uh, because there's no hope for that man anyhow. Uh, Listen think about this without the resurrection uh, without the resurrection you could leave the emergency room uh, and go to the ICU and there's a person there uh, critically ill uh, on life support hanging on uh, by uh, by a thread and listen that person has no hope without a resurrection what's the big deal about the resurrection the big deal is without the resurrection every grave would be a final goodbye without the resurrection this morning no news is really good news Without the resurrection, that pay raise you got means nothing. Without the resurrection, it doesn't matter what a great life you live. Uh, Without the resurrection, whatever, no news is good news. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, without the resurrection, we could not sing, I'll meet you in the morning. Uh, We could not sing, there will be a glad reunion day. Uh, We could not sing, won't it be wonderful there. Uh, Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but I'm glad I can say with Paul and I can say with Joe uh, that my Redeemer liveth. There is a resurrection and I thank God for it. I think about Paul over there in 1 Corinthians 15 and uh, verse 14 he said if Christ be not raised from the dead he says we're false witnesses he says we're liars he says our faith is in vain he says we are yet in our sins if there be no resurrection uh, but in verse 20 Paul said but now Christ, God hath raised Christ, but now, 1 Corinthians 15, 20, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Job here in Job 19, he was going through the greatest crises of his life. His friends had turned on him. In chapter 19, we find that Bildad, one of his close friends, had accused Job and said, Job, he said, God's judging you for sin. That's why all this has happened to you because of your sin. And listen, Job was in a low spot, in a low place. But from the depths of his sorrow, from the depths of his heartache, and from the depths of his confusion, Job lifted his eyes and he says, I don't know why God's doing this to me. Maybe I have sinned. And maybe you're right and I'm wrong. But he said, I do know this. He said, I know my Redeemer liveth. And he said, not only does he live but he's going to stand at the latter day and he says and not only is he going to stand he says but though the worms consume my flesh he says I shall see God he said I know my redeemer liveth. verse 25 I want you to notice this he says I know I know the first thing I want to notice this morning from this text is there's a confidence that's powerful he said I know I know. You see, this thing was not a guess or a conjecture or some vague hope. There was no hesitation or doubt in his mind about the matter. Known by Job as certainly as the sun was shining in the heavens, his faith had not been shaken by his terrible losses nor his wife's reproach. Listen, everything Job thought he knew had vanished Job thought Job thought that he had a secure future. Job thought that he had good friends Job thought he had a wife that would encourage him through the darkest of times but everything that Job had thought had gone away and this morning there's a lot of things we thought that have gone away I thought we lived in a free country didn't you I thought we lived in a land of freedom and liberty I I thought we had a statue in New York Harbor that's called the Statue of Liberty I thought we had a right to worship God I, I thought we We could could come to the house of God without fear of persecution or oppression. Uh, But a lot of things we thought, friend, uh, are no longer here. Uh, But Job said, I thought a lot of things and they're no longer true. He said, but there's one thing I still know. He said, I still know my Redeemer liveth. I thought about Paul in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 12. He said, I know whom I have believed in. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that. Which I've committed unto him against that day. There's a confidence that's powerful. He said, I know, I know. You know, there's a lot of things we thought we knew that we've realized were not true. There's a lot of things that we've thought. And you, I'm sure, in your life and I in my life have had people that I thought I thought were my best friends, but in reality they weren't my friends at all. I've had things that I thought would come to pass. There's been dreams that I've had and and, and hopes that for my own life and for the life of my family there's been things that i I thought were going to come and we're going to be uh, uh and were' going to come to pass in my life and I've sadly had to watch those homes drift, uh, uh, sift through my hands like sand I'm thankful this morning there's one thing I know, I know I don't know if I'm going to wake up in the morning, I don't know if I'm ever going to preach again, I don't know if I'll ever be able uh, to do as I see fit And as I, I don't know, I don't know if my bank account will have one dollar in tomorrow, uh, but I know this, I know my Savior lives, I know he's alive and well and because of that we can make it through these trying times a confidence is powerful i want to ask you something do you know that this morning do you know that you ask people do you know that you're saved and i want to ask you that do you know you're saved you say well i can't know that the bible says you can first john 55 13 says we can know that we have eternal life the Bible says, "Let God be true, and every man a liar." You say, "Brother James, my preacher said you can't know. Your preacher told you a lie, because God said you can know." You said, "But Brother James, I can't know. I, that's impossible." That's impossible for us to know. The Bible says, "With men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible." And I can't explain it to you this morning. I don't. I couldn't. I can't take a pen and paper and write it down and tell you and explain to you in words. I I, I can't. I can't express to you how. But all. I know that I know that my Redeemer liveth and if you're here listening and you're not saved you say how can I know you need to fall on your face before Jesus Christ and say Lord be merciful to me, a sinner and at that moment you'll know as well there'll be a peace that passes all understanding into your heart and you'll know too there's a confidence that's powerful but then he says I know my Redeemer my Redeemer. There's a claim that's personal. He said, he didn't say I know a Redeemer lives. And he didn't say I know the Redeemer lives. But he said, I know that my Redeemer lives. A claim that's personal. You know, it's something. It's something to say he's a Redeemer. It's something to say He's the Redeemer. It's even more to say he's our Redeemer. But it's best to say he's my Redeemer. Job at this time in his life had very little of his own that he could claim. I mean, listen, a man that at one time was the richest man in all the world. And this man at one time had everything he could ever want. He had money, he had family, he had possessions, he had power. He had Listen, he had it all. Oh, listen, Job was a good man, a righteous man. Oh, God called him his own servant. I don't know of any better thing that you could have said about you than for God himself to say that you're his servant. But Job had watched all this slip out of his hands. Uh, Job had lost everything that he had loved. He had lost his family, his sons, his daughters. His servants, his cattle, his house, everything was gone. Even his own health had slipped away. But from the midst of that, Job said, I still have one thing I can claim. He said, I've got a redeemer. He's my redeemer. There's a claim that's personal. Is it your redeemer this morning? I'm glad I can say he's not just a redeemer. He's not just the redeemer. But he's my redeemer. In psalm song of Psalm 2, the 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 lady there, the Shulamite woman, she said, "My beloved is mine, and I am his." Song of Solomon six three. She said, "I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine." And oh, listen this morning, there was not many people that would claim Job at this time you know when Job had money and when Job had family and when Job had friends and when Job had cattle and when Job had servants and when Job had all everybody wanted to claim Job I'd say everybody in that part of the world said Job's my friend I know Job oh Job me and him went to school together but me and Job we're family we're kin we're cousins we're, but now nobody wanted to claim Job because Job was a poor man a sick man a despised man an accused man oh but Job said nobody wants to claim me he said but I have a redeemer in heaven who still claims me as his own I'm glad listen if all the world forsakes us I'm glad Jesus said I'll never leave you I'll never forsake you in this morning Uh, listen there's a claim that's personal he said my redeemer that word redeemer there goal is a Hebrew word for kinsman redeemer if you study your bible you'll find that I've I've read men that said how did Job know all this well listen Job wasn't writing this God was this is inspired revelation God was giving us Job didn't even realize what he was saying I don't believe but what he was saying was true a redeemer in the bible the kinsman redeemer if you study it he had to be there was three things he had to have number one he had to be worthy he had to have the right blood in his veins he had to be kin to you and that's why Jesus became a man. Jesus didn't become a man, so he didn't take upon himself flesh so he could show off. Jesus didn't come down here to. He didn't come for the sole reason to walk on water and raise dead. No, listen, he took on a body. He took upon himself flesh that he might be crucified for us. He had to be worthy. He had to have the right blood in his veins. And listen, uh, listen, Jesus had the right blood in his veins. You said, what kind of blood did he have? He had God's blood in his veins. He had divine blood in his veins. Uh, Listen, I'm not saved Uh, by crushed grapes in a glass on a communion table I'm saved by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that was shed for me he had to be worthy he had to be wealthy he had to have the means to redeem and listen Jesus is rich in mercy and great in love and has abundant grace he had to be worthy he had to be wealthy but he had to be willing he had to be willing the act of redemption was a voluntary act a voluntary act You could not force a man to redeem someone or something. He had to be willing. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not thy will, but my my will, but thy will be done. Over there in Hebrews chapter 1, it says, Oh, behold, it's written in the bottom of that book. He says, Oh, behold, I come to do thy will, O God. I come to do thy will. Over there, John, chapter four, Jesus had saved the woman at the Samaria at the the well of Samaria, and uh, and she went to town and and brought the town back and she told everybody there come see a man that told me all that ever I did is this not the Christ and the disciples went to town and brought back a lunch and she went to town and brought back souls and and, and the disciples asked Jesus they said Lord are you hungry do you know you want some of this bread do you want some of this food we've got and Jesus you know in chapter in the first verse the Bible said he was wearied from his journey and he sat upon Jacob's way his flesh was weary and weak and tired and they said Lord aren't you hungry aren't you tired and Jesus said my need is to do the will of him that sent me and listen this morning I'm glad that not only do we have a worthy redeemer and a wealthy but we've got a willing redeemer all the armies of the world could not have forced Jesus to die for our sins he said I lay my life down A ransom for many. They didn't take his life. Listen to me this morning. If Jesus had chose, he could still be on that cross today and still be alive. But the Bible says he gave up the ghost. It was voluntary. And oh, tonight, today, I think about the acts that people have done. Acts of love and mercy willingly you know I think it's I believe I saw a video the other day of some doctors down in I I can't remember what state and they were they were getting in their cars and they were going to New York City to go help those people there that are such they're they're under they're they're being ravished by this virus and and, and these doctors these doctors are educated and wealthy no doubt uh, I mean listen they they didn't have a reason to go up there they could have stayed home and lived the life but they chose willingly I believe what makes that so uh, uh, amazing is they did it voluntarily nobody forced them these nurses that are leaving homes of safety and going into a a, a war zone where this virus is and, and wreaking havoc that's that tell, to me that's, the, uh, that's, the, that's one of the highest uh, acts of compassion you'll ever see uh, from humanity but I want you to know 2,000 years ago at the the Lamb of God I walked into Gethsemane and listen and he walked down and he walked to Pilate's Hall and he died for us voluntarily it was a voluntary act no, he didn't save a few like the doctors and the nurses. And I thank God for them. I'm not downplaying that. But what a, what a wonderful deliverance he brought by willingly, willingly dying for people like us. There's a claim that's personal, my Redeemer. Is he your Redeemer? Is he your Redeemer? <laughs> he says, I know my Redeemer liveth. So, not only is there a claim that's personal, a confidence that's powerful, but we see there's a comfort that's present in Job's life. He says, He liveth. He didn't say, I know my Redeemer lived, or he didn't say, I know my, my, my Redeemer will live, but he says, My Redeemer liveth. There's a comfort that's present. Listen, this morning, Jesus is a comfort and Savior. When he come forth out of the grave, Mark 16, he said, Go tell my disciples and Peter. Oh, listen, Jesus was wanting to help people and comfort people. Luke 24, there was two uh, disciples, unnamed disciples on the road going back to Emmaus and they were sad, their hearts were sad because they thought Jesus was going to be the king that they thought he was and they didn't understand what God was doing they couldn't understand it all and the Bible says and while they walked and talked along the way the Bible says that Jesus himself had drew near unto them and said why are you sad and they said oh have you not heard, have you not heard of that one that said he was going to come and said he was going to save us he's dead he's been dead for three days and the Bible says beginning at Moses and the prophets Jesus expanded to them all things concerning himself and the Bible says he left them and then the Bible said they said did not our hearts burn within us and what was Jesus doing he was comforting people that's what he was doing and this morning he wants to comfort you there's a comfort that's present what is our comfort that's present he lives He's live. He lives. Jesus is alive this morning. He's going to be alive tomorrow morning. He'll be alive every morning after he lives he said there, we've read it twice now Revelation 1 he said I'm alive forevermore oh listen like the old song says that they'll never crucify him again, that they'll never nail, nail his hands to a cross again that they'll never beat his brow and spit upon his face that they'll never put a crown of thorns into his head, that they'll never stick a spear in his side they'll never, why he's alive forevermore he's seated at the right end of father and this morning that's a comfort that's present with us today I read about a little boy that was in an art museum with his family and he was sitting there admiring this picture that someone had drawn of the crucifixion and this man walked up next to him and began to look at that picture and the little boy began to cry and big old tears began to run this man was an older well-off man but even then, he couldn't handle to see that little boy cry like that. And he said, son, what's wrong? And he said, sir, he said, you see that? He said, I see it. He said, you know what that is? He said, yes, sir. He said, he said, that hill right there, that's Calvary. And that sir said, yeah, I understand, son. This man was a skeptic. He didn't believe or anything, so he just was giving this boy time to talk. He said, sir, you see them two men on the left and the right? He said, I see them. He said, they're thieves. He said, they deserve to be on that cross. He said, sir, you see that man in the middle? He said, I see him. He said, that's Jesus. And he said, he's dying for my sins the man he couldn't take it in the morning he kind of slipped away while that boy was still talking and left and that little boy turned around and he couldn't find him so he ran out of the art museum and he saw the man walking down the sidewalk and he ran down and he called him he said sir he said that's not all he said that's not all he said he got up on the third day and this morning I'm glad the cross is not the end of anything it's the beginning amen and he said there's a comfort he lives he lives I know he lives today Job said he liveth everything around Job was dying his family was dying his friends were dying his flesh was dying oh but listen this morning there was one thing he had his redeemer lived we've seen a lot of death in recent days people we knew and loved men of God have died good people that love the Lord have died many have died And I don't believe we should downplay one death, much less thousands of deaths. But I'm thankful we see death around us this morning. We know that he lives. Job said he liveth. Verse 25, he said he shall stand. I'm trying to hurry. He shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. This morning, not only is there a comfort that's present, but we see here there's a coming that's promised. He said he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Three times you see Jesus standing. You see him standing before Pilate to be wounded. Before Pilate he stood to be wounded. Matthew 27, 1 the Bible says, And Jesus stood before the governor. There he stood there. And I want you to know this. When Jesus stood before Pilate, he was not there to represent himself. He was representing us. And he stood there as the figurehead of the human race. For the Bible says, as in one man sinner on earth and death passed upon all men for all sin so in Christ that one man died he's the last Adam he stood there before Paul to be wounded as the representative of the human race he stood before Paul in Matthew 27 to be wounded uh, over there in Acts chapter 7 and verse 53 on down uh, through 55 and 56 uh, uh, old Stephen was being stoned and the Bible says he looked up to heaven and he saw Jesus standing on the right hand of the Father. So he stood before Pilate. before Pilate, he stood to be wounded. Before Stephen, he stood to welcome. You say, why was Jesus standing on the right? He was standing to welcome Stephen home. Amen. One man said this that Jesus gave Stephen a standing ovation for what he had done. And oh, listen, this morning, I don't know if there's ever been a time where the church has been more oppressed in the United States of America than it is right now. I don't know if there's ever been a time, I'd say quite confidently, there's never been a moment where people in this country have been locked up, have been fined, have been oppressed and persecuted for trying to worship God. There's no but listen to me this morning, it doesn't matter I don't care this morning if our mayor stands up and gives me a, a, a hand clap and I don't care if the sheriff uh, uh, gives me a, an applause and I'm not concerned this morning uh, if the, I really, really, really really don't care if the governor gives me any type of applause. But I'm glad the king of kings this morning and the Lord of lords this morning is watching you and I and we should want to please him in these trying times he stood to welcome but then the last time he's going to stand is what Job was talking about he shall stand in the latter day one day he's going to stand before the world and he's going to stand as the one who, the, the one who has won, has won Zechariah 14 for his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. Job saw beyond. He saw beyond Bethlehem. He saw beyond the cross. He saw beyond the resurrection. He saw beyond the rapture of the church. He saw beyond the tribulation. And he saw the Jesus of the Bible standing. He saw him standing in the latter day. That, That latter day means on the last day. On the last day. There's an old saying, the last man standing. And you can believe this. Jesus is going to be the last one standing. You say, how do you know, bro, James? Romans 14, 11, every knee shall bow. But there's one knee that will not bow. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And one day soon and very soon, he's going to come back. He's not coming back as a lamb uh, to, be, to redeem but he's coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah to rule and to reign. And Job said, said my redeemer, my advocate, my witness, my defense my savior, my God on the last day on the last day he will stand and one day all the governments of the world are going to bow their knee. All the dictators and God deniers and going to bow the knee every baby killer every evolutionist every drug dealing pot smoking beer drinking God hating fool is going to bow their knee and we'll bow our knee as well and we'll say he is Lord and on that day he will be the last one to stand because he's going to win you say how do you know he's going to win because he's already won he's already won in verse 26 and 27, I'm done, and though after my skin worms dev- destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. And I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold him. And not another, though my reins be consumed within me. My Redeemer liveth, and we see quick, quick, finally, there's a consolation that's precious. You understand Job's flesh was covered in boils he had taken potsherds and scraped the boils and you know if you know anything about dermatology and skin and and i don't, I don't know what that exactly the proper term is if i had some of my members here they would probably help me, that they're not here so maybe i'll comment on the feed and tell me but the can you imagine when you do that if you have boils or sores you scrape them you know what it does it scars his whole body from head to toe was scarred and, and marred In fact, nobody probably could recognize Job when they saw him. But he said, in my flesh. He says, after the worms have destroyed this body of mine, he says, in my flesh I shall see God. What was this consolation that Job had? Job had this consolation that he was going to have a new body one day. There would be a new body and in that new body he would see God. Oh, listen, this morning we have a consolation that's precious. Like Job, he says, I shall see my God. One day we'll see our God. We'll see our Savior. It's a consolation that's precious. You know, Job had seen a lot of bad things. Can you imagine Job standing there with with seven caskets. I mean, I, I know people that have buried children, and, and, and I, I'd say that's the worst thing a person can experience. But can you imagine burying all your children, seven of them, on the same day? Job had seen some bad things. Job had seen the wreckage in his home. He had gone out and seen the barns and the houses that were destroyed and lives that were taken. Job had seen his servants' bodies brought back and his fam- their families weeping for them as they were buried. Job had looked over his, his pastures and seen all the dead cattle and had seen he had seen all this. Job, Job had seen his friends forsake him and turn their back on him. Job had seen his own wife say, curse God and die. But Job said, one day I'm going to see something. He said, I'm going to see him. In my flesh I'll see him. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we shall, he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Our consolation this morning that's precious is this, because he lives, we live. And because he lives, one day we're going to see him face to face. The Bible says, Now we behold him darkly as through a glass, but then face to face. Face to face. Do you know that in that moment. And in that time. We're going to forget every heartache. People think they say things like this. Well, I want to ask God about this, and I want to ask God about that, and I want Him to tell why I lost that job, or why I had that sickness, or why I lost that family member, or why this happened, and why this person treated me this way, and this and that person treated me that way. I, this is I, this is what I believe, and don't don't get me wrong. I've fought the same thing myself. There's been times I thought, Lord, I wish You'd just explain something to me. But the truth of the matter is, when we see it all those questions are going to disappear and all those heartaches are going to be gone because we're going to be living in the presence of our Redeemer Job says I know my Redeemer liveth this morning on April the 12th 2020 I'm thankful to say that our Redeemer lives if Jesus doesn't come back between now and next year he'll still be alive then And this morning, if you don't know the Lord as your Savior, I want to say this. You're missing out on the greatest thing you can ever know. The greatest thing. You see, everything you have in your life could be taken away. Everything. It could be gone. In in, in just a moment, it could be gone. But here in the life of Job, we see a man that had it all taken away. But he had one thing. He had a Redeemer. And this morning, if you don't know the Lord as your Savior, I want to say the Bible says this. The Bible says that there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.10. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says but God commendeth his love towards us and that while we're yet sinners Christ died for us. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 says thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved. Romans 10 13 says for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and this morning you're you're only a prayer away from being saved and having a but you must bow your knee like that publican in the Gospel of Luke And he said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. He beat upon his chest and said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. You don't have to pray a fancy prayer. You don't have to pray a long prayer. In fact, you don't have to tell him everything you've ever done because he knows everything you've ever done. He's got a record of it. All he wants you to do is trust his son. Confess your sins. Repent of your sin. Put your faith and say, oh, I trust you now. And I trust you for all eternity. And at that moment, he'll save you. He'll change your life. Father, we thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to preach. Lord, most of all, I thank you for my Redeemer that lives. And I pray, God, today that those that are watching, that if there are any out there that are lost, they might be convicted and be saved today. And for all those that are listening and watching that are saved and they're dealing with heartache right now, Lord, they're dealing with confusion and discouragement, I pray, God, that you'd comfort them with the fact that even though a lot of things have gone away, That our Redeemer still lives. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.